Support for this podcast comes from Smart Recruiters, the hiring success company. Smart Recruiters is an enterprise-grade talent acquisition suite designed for hiring success. Move beyond applicant tracking with a modern platform that provides everything you need to attract, select and hire the best talent. From candidate relationship management, sourcing and recruitment marketing, to screening, selection and offer management, experience a talent acquisition suite with a user experience that candidates, hiring managers and recruiters all love. Companies from Kelly Services to Visa to Bosch leverage smart recruiters to achieve hiring success and expand their business. Visit Smart Recruiters at www.smartrecruiters.com to find out why companies across the globe consider them the number one ATS replacement. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 143 of the Recruiting Future podcast. One of my favourite things about living close to Edinburgh is festival time in August. As well as the world-famous Edinburgh Fringe, the city hosts a number of other festivals simultaneously, including Cheering Fest, a leading tech industry conference. My guest this week is James Mays, CEO of Mind the Product. James was at Cheering Fest this year, delivering a presentation on remote working. I caught up with him in the expo hall after he came off stage to find out more about a topic that's very, very relevant to the world of recruiting and HR. Hi, James. How are you? Very well, thanks, Matt. Great to see you again. So let's give everyone a bit of context. Where are we? We are in Edinburgh this week, uh, attending Cheering Fest. It's Scotland's premier tech event with, I think, six different stages this year, covering everything from culture through engineering, product management, uh, growth. I think there's a couple of others as well. Um, event's been running three or four years. I think it's my third time here. Absolutely. It's my second time here. We're currently sitting in the, uh, the expo hall, watching the world, watching the world go by, um, dreaming, of the, uh, dreaming of the drinks party um, later on. Now... Um, could you? You're you're kind of a bit of a an escapee from the recruitment industry. That's how I just how I describe you. Could you sort of tell everyone a bit about yourself and what you do? So uh, I co-founded and run a company called Mind the Product, uh, where we basically run conferences, meetups, and workshops around the world for a global community of about 125,000 product managers. Um, as with recruiting, fell into that by accident. I got involved with Mind the Product in a fairly similar way. The original three co-founders uh, were looking at launching the conference for the first time looking for a bit of commercial advice i happened to be working with one of them at a london startup in the recruiting space and things went from there that's cool and uh you run events all around the world you just run one in uh, san francisco what was that like uh, yes, yeah, San Francisco is our, our, one of our two flagship events. Uh, we do London and San Francisco each year. So we had 1,600 people there, uh, some pretty spectacular speakers. Um, it's the fourth time we've run in San Francisco now, um, and it just seems to keep getting bigger and better. Uh, there's a couple of things that we do that make it very different from most tech events. Uh, for example, the, the experience that we design is very much focused on the delegates rather than the sponsors, which I think makes a significant difference. Um, and it's very much uh, something that we get a lot of positive feedback on when we go get those scores afterwards. So um, you've just done a talk on um, remote working, 
because the mind, the product team all work remotely. Um, it was kind of really interesting. And I think it's, um, um, it's certainly a topic that is of interest to the audience of the podcast. I'm seeing, uh, you know, more and more debates about remote working. Um, personally, I've been remote. I can't even say it. Personally, <laughs> I've been remote working for, for 10 years now. And I know you've been doing it for longer. So let's start off with a definition well, you know what is your definition of remote working is it is it lying on a on a on a on a beach somewhere looking at a laptop <laughs> is it hell uh, one of the slides i used earlier was that guy lying back on the beach um, with his laptop but it's it's quite clear that he's got the screen brightness turned way up to combat the sun glare the battery's dead in 10 minutes flat and there's no way anywhere near him it wouldn't be a paradise island if your email could still reach you um, for me remote working is simplest defined by saying it's when your team are not 100% co-located now, from there, it can be a scale. You have some people that come in a couple of days a week, some people that work fully remote. It's, it's not a, a clear definition yet. Um, what I would say is that I feel the term distributed teams actually describes it slightly better than remote working. So, you, in your presentation, you talked about the, the shared attributes that, that companies who are really successful at this, this, this have. Could you sort of tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I think the first, uh, the first part to it is that... Um, the companies that really do make a success of this are the companies who take a mindful approach to it. So they start thinking about what kind of experience they want their employees to have. Things like the quality of kit that you have at the office should be replicated at home. Things like you have great desks and office chairs to make sure people are comfortable and don't injure their backs, their spines, their necks. And yet a lot of the time people working at home, they're at the dining room table. That thought, that intent, is not necessarily something that costs you a huge amount of money, but it does significantly impact the well-being and productivity of your employees. Absolutely. And um, one of the things you said that, that kind of resonated with me was, um, you know, about being remote first or, or at very least remote, remote equal and, um, you know, being very mindful of the needs of uh, rem- remote, remote, remote workers. Yeah, um, and I think it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not necessarily dissimilar to the people that design software where they're starting now to actually think about remote f- uh, mobile first. Now, it used to be the case that everything was used on a desktop. Well, no, that's not the case anymore. Things are being used far more on mobile and people are designing with the mobile use case in mind at the outset. I think the same is starting to happen now with team design in some of the world's leading organizations and some of the examples that I referenced in the talk earlier today. People are designing their team organization, their management structures remote first. They are thinking about what that remote experience is like um, as, as the uppermost thing in mind. So in that respect, I'm talking about how you communicate, uh, how you communicate decisions, not just the decision itself, but also why the decision was made, what it's aimed to achieve, what risk you might be trying to mitigate. Um, to an extent, it's also looking at things like how do you measure? So every organization wants to measure its employees uh, to a reasonable degree. But when people are remote, there's a level of mistrust that some organizations have, which leads them into over-monitoring. The last thing you want is to end up with a big brother scenario because that's ending well for nobody. That's very interesting. And um, you also sort of talked about your, your experience with your, with, with your own team. And one of the things I found really interesting was you were talking about um, timing. So your team's all over the world and you were talking about finding the right time, um, you know, to get on calls and, and talk to each other. But you, you, you took that a stage further um, and took it into the realms of finding the right time for the individual. So you have people who work very early and, and, and people who have who kind of, you know, are better at working working late. I mean, what is your experience, you know, working with your remote team? Where are they based and how does that sort of play out in practice? 
So at the moment we've got people in the US, the Far East and Europe. Uh, so obviously there's a time zone issue there to, to take account of. But as you referenced, we've got some people who prefer to start early, some people who prefer to start late. Um, in my particular case, I actually tend to clock off for a couple of hours uh, late afternoon, hang out with my kids after school, but then I'll get back on the phone and I'll be working late into the evening because it's the perfect time for me to Lon in London to be doing calls with some of our partners in San Francisco. Um, so it's very much about finding a working pattern that actually suits each individual within that organisation. There's very little where we actually need to make sure the entire company is online at one time. We can do it at a stretch, but it's more about the, the, the individual needs and the individual people that are working together and trying to address those aspects correctly. Now, in the, in the second half of your presentation, you, um, you, know, you delivered kind of lots of pieces of, uh, of practical, uh, you know, practical advice to, uh, to people who are building remote teams or, or thinking about having remote teams. Now, we don't really have time to, to go through every single, every, every single one, and I'm going to post a link to your, um, to your slides on SlideShare so people can um, sort of look, look through and see what those tips were. But what would be the sort of the, the, the main ones, say the, the, the kind of the, the three highlights from the advice that you, that you gave for, for people looking to improve the way their remote teams work. Okay, so for the first one, we'll go for the conference call. Um, typically, when you have a team at the office and a couple of people remote, the office team are all around one big table together. So as the debate starts to get heated, if you're discussing certain aspects of a project or something that you're working on, those people start talking pretty much directly to one another. Tempos go up, and the poor person sat on the end of the conference call at home ends up pretty much slumped over their laptop, losing the will to live. Um, it's pretty much the definition of excluding somebody's voice. Um, what I would say with that one is if you can if you've got those people in the office they've all got a laptop have them stay at their desks and then when they all dial in they're all equal they'll all show up in the call window equally so just visually the entire thing feels equalized Secondly, uh, I would look at the opportunities that you do have where you can bring the team together. So for our business, for example, we ran the conference in San Francisco two weeks ago. I made sure that we took the entire team out there and we actually built in a couple of days after the conference for the team to be together to decompress. Um, one of those days, we booked a minibus and we just took the team up to Sonoma and had a very chilled out day of wine tasting. Um, thoroughly enjoyable, a great way of actually building those bonds. Uh, another story that I'm familiar with around conferences, uh, the Braintree team, um, obviously a technology company. They bought their entire product team to mine the product a couple of years ago and they booked the day off afterwards as a retro. So throughout the conference itself, they were all taking notes and contributing those to a shared Trello board. That day after, they had a team offsite slash retro where they worked through everything that they picked up at the conference, all the different angles that different people had identified, and then ran after on that. Which of these things resonate most with us as a team? Which of these things are gonna be our core takeaways that we are going to go and action as a group? Um, so they actually used one opportunity to build on another, uh, which I thought was absolutely fabulous. The final one I'll point to uh, is a comp company in London called FutureLearn who recently hired their first remote worker. And one of the first things that they did when they hired this guy was to close the office for a week. They sent everybody home. Uh, it wasn't because they needed to redecorate the office, although they had a, a nice handy opportunity to do that. The main reason for it was to actually say, firstly, we want this new hire to really feel included. We want this new hire to feel as though we're recognising the trials and tribulations that remote working can bring. But also we want the core team to actually understand what it feels like to work from home, what it feels like to have that disconnect, to be reliant solely on messaging service and conference calls and to be without the water cooler banter that they've been getting 
it changes the context of communication within a company completely. And the only way you can really understand it is to experience it. I thought that was an absolutely, absolutely brilliant point. And I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen a few companies actually, larger companies as well, sort of, um, you know, do that, do that kind of thing. So, you know, finally, you know, back to back to Cheering Fest. I think there's one more, uh, one more keynote left, and then uh, uh, we're all off to the, uh, the the party and out into the broader Edinburgh Festival. Um, other than the the parties and the the rest of the Edinburgh Festival, what, what's been your highlight of the of the last two days here? Um, I think with. With Turing Fest, because it's it's got a breadth of different stages, there are a number of different disciplines represented here. And the serendipitous conversations that you can have in the expo hall and just wandering the corridors, getting involved with different people, it's very, very easy to get siloed into your own particular discipline. And the opportunity to step outside that is a spectacular learning opportunity. And I think with a lot of people, they look at conferences and they only see the learning opportunity of the talks. I think the learning opportunity of the, the serendipitous conversations are actually a huge part of the value that people should take away from these things. Um, and for me here in Edinburgh, that's been fantastic last couple of days. Absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's a really unique event and I've seen some great presentations and um, it's in Edinburgh, which is right on my doorstep. So that's the, that's, the, that's the highlight for me. It's the shortest I've had to travel to a conference all year. James, thank you very much for talking to me. My absolute pleasure. Good to see you again. My thanks to James Mays. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or via your podcasting app of choice. The show also has its own dedicated app, which you can find by searching for Recruiting Future in your app store. If you're a Spotify user, you can also find the show there. You can find all the past episodes at www.rfpodcast.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next week and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.